I've been reading a book that is a page turner, and it also is one that makes me think. It's a book of fiction. You have to kind of suspend your belief, but it asks some pretty powerful questions that I'd like to maybe explore with you today. So the book is about a young lady who is a scientist. She's a brain scientist. She also does some stuff with physics, and her mother has Alzheimer's, and so she is studying the brain, trying to figure out a way how to reverse the effects of Alzheimer's because her mother's uh, lost a lot of her memory, doesn't always recognize her, and it's just it's heartbreaking. And so she's doing what she can to, to figure out how to solve the problem of Alzheimer's. And she's creating this thing called a memory chair, try to capture memories or, or re-invoke some memories that have been lost. And so the book is about that. Uh, she explores some physics things with some quantum mechanics, the, the things that make the universe what the universe is. And Long story short, by accident, she figures out how to take someone's consciousness, your, your brain, what you know, and to transport it back in time. So like if you're 40 years old, you could take your brain and put it back in your 20-year-old body, and you remembered everything from when you were 40, and you could have a chance to relive your life. They discovered this by accident in pursuing the memory thing. And again, this is science fiction. You have to suspend your belief. Just, just hang on with me if you're kind of checking out already, because... We're going somewhere with this. So what happens is the man who's funding uh, the project, of the memory project, sees that this is obviously now a moneymaker. And so he can get people to pay a lot of money to go back in time in their brains. If you ever saw the show Lost on television, uh, Desmond was a character who his consciousness traveled back into, into the past. And so could you imagine if you can know what you know now, go back in your life, how you could change your life to make things better. And so... It's not surprising that people line up to pay lots of money to have their consciousness transferred into their body back uh, in the past. And so for some examples, there was uh, a well-known architect who chickened out and didn't build the big vision that he had of this huge skyscraper, and it was his main regret in life. And so he pays a lot of money to have his brain transported back into his own body in the past, and he builds the big building. He builds the skyscraper. He pursues his dream, pursues his vision, has lots of fame and fortune because of that, and he's grateful that he, that he did this. Another person who travels back into the past is a woman who is trapped in abusive marriage, and her husband is emotionally abusive. He's physically abusive, and she just cannot escape him in the present, and so she has her consciousness transported into the past so that she chooses never to enter a relationship with him and to avoid that abuse. And the most heart-wrenching one is a man whose 13-year-old daughter died in a, in a car accident. She was walking on the sidewalk. A car hit her and ran, and she died at the age of 13. And it destroyed him. It destroyed his marriage. He and his wife got divorced. And so he had the opportunity to go back into time to save his daughter and to save his marriage. And so while the concept you know, might seem unreal, the emotions are very real. And so I guess today what I would ask you, if, if you had the opportunity to transport your brain as it is now back into your body in the past, what would you do differently? What would you change? Now, we might all think, hey, we could be rich because we know who wins the Super Bowl and who wins the World Series, and we can make a lot of money betting on that. But I, I don't think that's what our main focus would be. I, I think for some of us, we would, we would want to focus more and, and enjoy some of the relationships that we had that we don't have anymore. Maybe someone has died and gone to be with God in heaven or a, a relationship fell apart because we did something stupid. We want to, want to go back and, and enjoy that relationship and maybe try to do things differently to keep that relationship going. I'm sure that's some of what we would do. Uh, 
Um, some of us might want to go back and enjoy our bodies when they could, they could be more mobile and we could run and jump and play, whereas now in the, in the present, right, we don't have the energy or our body doesn't work the same way. We might be confined to a wheelchair. and We would want to go back and enjoy that, that freedom of movement. And what would you do if you could go back into time and change things? And knowing what we know now, then what might you do in your life? I think that's, 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 a, that's an exciting thing to think about. It, it's, it's something that I think, you know, we all can kind of tap into. Uh, because, you know, it, it, it's challenging sometimes. And we wish we made different choices. We wish we had done things differently. What would you change if you were able to do that, to go back in time. Now, one interesting thing about this whole process in the book, fictional book, again, science fiction, fictional book, is that to go back into the past, your present self has to die. Like, your heart has to stop, and that jump starts, like, the transfer of your consciousness back into time. So, to live your life again, you have to die in the presence, right? To, to, to live a new life, to have a fresh start, someone has to die. Someone has to sacrifice themselves to go back into time. Now think about that. Have you heard of that? To have a new start, to have a new life, something has to die, some sacrifice has to be made. To live a new life, there has to be a death first. Well, that sounds familiar. That's exactly why we're here today on Easter Sunday. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And it's not fiction. It's not science fiction. It's reality. Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life so that we can be alive. And that's what we celebrate today. And so I want to jump right into that good news of Scripture because I think it's so relevant to who we are and what we're doing. And we're going we're gonna to pick up the story where we left it off last week, right? We had Palm Sunday and Jesus came into Jerusalem for the last time. We got to Holy Thursday. We had Good Friday this past Friday when Jesus died on the cross. And now it's on the third day after that happened on Easter Sunday, the first Sunday of the week. And we celebrate the resurrection in Luke's gospel account today. So let's check that out. Luke 24, 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven disciples and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. So today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The women go to the tomb and instead of seeing Jesus there, they, they encounter angels. And the angels... Uh, tell them what's happened, that Jesus was, was who he, he said he is, and he did what he said he would do, and he is risen, he, he is no longer dead. And I love their question, why do you look for the living among the dead? It's a literal question. 
Why are you looking for the living Jesus among the dead? He's not dead anymore. He is alive. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Again, it's a literal thing. Jesus is alive. He's been resurrected. We celebrate Easter today, the resurrection of Jesus. But I also want to challenge you maybe to think about that, that phrase figuratively. Why do you look for the living among the dead? You know, in our current popular culture over the past few years, there's been a, a phenomenon of zombies where we see zombies very present in popular culture, like the living dead, people who've died, but they're not all the way dead, but they're not alive, and so they just live this miserable experience, and they're walking around trying to eat your brain, and it's a multi-million dollar industry, the zombie industry, and it's in, it's in books, it's in comic books, it's in video games, it's in television shows, it's on movies, and uh, you know, maybe you're like me, you wonder, what's the zombie thing? Why are people so attracted to zombies? And I think probably many different reasons. Some of us, we just like to be scared. And so we, we like to turn the lights off. We like to watch the zombie show or play the zombie video game, the zombie apocalypse. Some of us like to be grossed out. And there's a lot of gross stuff in, in zombie movies and books and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder if the whole zombie phenomenon might not be tapping into something deeper that we have inside of all of us. And it goes back to that, that thing that the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? I wonder if you, like me, sometimes we feel like a zombie. Not that we're hungry for brains or we're walking around all gross looking, but that in our lives, sometimes we feel like we're the walking dead. Like, we're going through life, we're going through the motions, and, and we're not living the life that we think that we should live. We're not living the life that we had hoped that we had lived, and so we're, we're kind of like dead on the inside, and we just fake it on the outside, and we, we go to school, we go to work, we come home, we do the routine, we do it again, and we put the big, nice, pretty smiling face on, but inside, we, we have something that's broken, we have something that, that's not right, we have something that, that, that's, that feels dead. Right? We're the walking dead. We're, we're living and breathing, but we don't feel alive. You ever felt that way? Like we, we live and we breathe and, and we can move. We're mobile, but we don't feel alive. We are the living dead. And for some of us, that, that's demonstrated in sadness. For some of us, it's fear. For some of us, it's anger. For some of us, it's hopelessness. Some of us, it's loneliness. Some of us, it's sickness. Some of us, it's brokenness. Some of it... For some of us, we just we don't know what our purpose or meaning in life is. And so we just go through life, going through the motions, being the, the zombies, the living dead. And for some of us, we have everything. We have a family. We have friends. We have a job. We have a house. We have clothes. We have food. We have cars. We have stuff. And we still feel dead. We still feel dead broken. We still feel like we don't know what it is to live, to be alive. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like the living dead? Where's our good news on this Easter Sunday? Hang on, it's coming. I want to go back to that book, that science fiction book, that book that's not real. It's just a story that some very clever person made up and, and it's fascinating. And, and the people that go back into time, they, they do those things that they wanted to do. The architect builds the big uh, skyscraper that makes him famous. The, the lady goes back and she avoids the, the relationship that was abusive. The, the man goes back and he saves his daughter's life and he saves the marriage. And, and things go well for a while. 
But even in the past, with knowledge from the future, knowing how I want to do things differently, they, they have good lives, they have exciting lives, but they still have problems. And bad things still happen. And their hearts still get broken. They make mistakes, even though they have the knowledge of the future, because they're not perfect. They're human. And life is full of ups and downs, no matter how much we understand. The most heartbreaking part about this book is the man who goes back to save his 13-year-old daughter and to save his marriage, and he does that, and, and he continues to live their lives, and he watches his daughter grow up, and his marriage continues to move forward, but when the, the, the daughter becomes a young woman, the unthinkable happens. She dies again, right? And the man now has to experience the death of his daughter not just once but twice, right? What could be worse than watching your 13-year-old your daughter die but to see her die a second time, right? And it just reminds us that life can be cruel. Life can be harsh. Even in this science fiction story, right, there's still brokenness in our lives no matter how much we know, right? no matter how much we do. And so how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that brokenness that makes us feel so dead and broken on the inside? Hang on. There is good news coming. I want to show you something that I received in the mail recently. You all probably get stuff like this. You know, it's just these mass mailings and it says like resident and it has your address on there. And I received this the other day. It says Senior Living 101, a seminar with Windsor Run Retirement Community. It looks like a a great place to retire, right? And, and the, the challenging thing was this wasn't just sent to me as a resident at my home. It said Kyle Thompson, right, with my address, Senior Living 101, right? And so let me just say it, it's great to grow older. It's awesome to age. It's a gift from God. The Bible says that gray hair is, you know, a crown of glory, right? But I'm 49 years old. I'm not ready to move into a retirement community. And so if one of you sent this to me, you got me good. That's an awesome joke, right? You, right, you got me, right? But, but it, it, it's funny, right? Why am I at 49 receiving an invitation to a senior living center? Right? And so uh, it, it kind of tapped into something that, that's, that's been hard for me to deal with lately, right? I uh, have been, like you, struggling with 2020 and some of the stuff going on in 2021. It's just been a rough kind of a year, year and a half here going on, and at the same time in my life, right, I'm 49, all right? I, I'm going to turn 50 this year. I just finished my 25th year of ordained ministry. My oldest son is 13. Uh, I've got a teenager now. My youngest son is 9. It's his last year in a single-digit uh, birthday number. He'll be 10 next year. Uh, now, in all of this, my wife, Laura, perpetually remains 29. I don't know how she does that, but she does that with lots of grace. But anyway, right? What, I, what I'm going through right now is I figured out, like, I'm, I'm like at a midlife crisis point, right? Unless I live to be 100 years old, right, then I'm past the midpoint of my life, which means that there are more years behind me than there are ahead of me. There are more years behind me than there are ahead of me. And I've come to realize that I've really been dealing with a lot of depression in my life. I haven't really named it as depression until recently, but... It's just manifested itself, and it's drugged me down. And 2020 and 2021 haven't helped with that. And being delayed getting in our building and all that's going on in the life of the world right now, it's just I've had some moments where I've just been down. 
and I'm sad, and my, and my boys are growing up so fast, and in five years, Luke's going to be gone out into the world, and four years after that, Nathan's going to be gone, and I, I just, I, I'm sad. I don't want them to be going and growing so fast, and at the same time, my parents are not going to live forever, and, and my in-laws, Laura's parents, who I love, are, are not going to live forever. Lots of relatives of mine are dying or are, are not going to be with us for long, and that just makes me sad that so much of my life most of my life is behind me now, right? And, and I don't know how much longer I have on this earth. I have friends who have died who are younger than I am now. And so I've just been really in this funk and this depression. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in heaven. I, I believe in life everlasting, and, and we celebrate that. And I look forward to to being with God in all of eternity. I look forward to being reunited with my grandparents and with people who I've known that have died and gone to be with God in heaven, with, with a 16-year-old friend of mine who died in a car crash when we were 16 years old together. I can't wait to see them again. And right, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being reconciled with people that I just I, I haven't gotten along with on the earth. And I know that in heaven, our, our differences will be, will be gone and we'll be able to laugh and say, why didn't we get along on the earth? And just There's so much to look forward to in heaven, is what I'm trying to say. And I believe in it. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. Right? One of the reasons I believe in the resurrection are the disciples. Right? Jesus' disciples because man, something changed in their lives. When, when they were Jesus on the earth, sometimes they, they got it, but a lot of times they, they didn't get it. And when Jesus was arrested, they, they all ran like cowards. And one of them betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus after saying, Jesus, I'm going to stand up with you even if it kills me. But he didn't. Right? He, 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 he chickened out. Right? But then something happens. And these same bumbling, cowardly disciples, right, they set the world on fire. They stand up to the people who had Jesus killed. They say, you're not going to stop us from speaking. We can't help but speaking about Jesus. And and most all of the disciples end up dying in gruesome ways because they continue to preach the gospel of Jesus. What happened to move them from these bumbling, frightened disciples into these bold men who were going to die for their faith? I believe that it was the resurrected Jesus. That they saw Jesus in person resurrected and said, You are who you say you are. You did what you said you were going to do. And it changed their life. It wasn't a mass hallucination. It changed them. Right? And they're in the glorious kingdom of heaven. And I'm looking forward to that. But at the same time, I'm not through living life here on the earth. There's so much more that I want to accomplish. There's so much more that I think God wants me to do. And I've got to get out of this depression. And so I talked to my wife, Laura, about this recently. And we, we had a long, great conversation. And one thing that we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to sit down with our boys and we're going to have a, a family meeting. I'm sure they're going to be overjoyed at hearing that, family meeting. But we're going to do that, and, and we're going to talk about it. So, you know, Luke, you got five years left before you go off on your own. Nathan, you got nine years left. What is, our, what is our story going to be? How are we going to take advantage of that time? Because it's precious time, and it's going to, it's going to go boom like that. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How do you want to spend our time? How do we want to intentionally spend time together so that we're not just caught up in the cycle of school and work and, and, we, and we blink and it's gone? Like, how are we going to spend the rest of our time together? How are we going to spend time with your grandparents? How, how are we going to make the best of this time that God has given us? And maybe more importantly, we're going to ask the question, what do you think God wants us to do? 
how do you think God wants to spend our time together as a family while we're still all in the same household? How, how do you think God wants to spend our time with, with your extended family? How do you think God wants us to live our lives at school and through the church, right? What kind of a conversation is that? I'm really excited about having that conversation, right? And I'm guessing that I'm not the only one that wrestles with some of these issues, whether you're in midlife or, or you're older or you're younger, that, that we, we all want to find, right, what does it mean to live? What does it mean to be alive in the world? What does it mean not to be the living dead? And so I feel led that our next sermon series, uh, the Reiterate Start After Easter, is, is going to focus on this. Like, what's your story? What do you want your story to be moving forward? How do you want to intentionally live the rest of your life to the full? What is God calling you to do in your life, to, to bring joy into your life, to bring joy into the lives of others? What does God want you to do with the rest of the time that you have on the earth? Because heaven is awesome, and we're, we're going for heaven, but now is important too. Jesus says now is important. The kingdom of God is with us now. What does that look like in your life? And so I hope you're excited about that. Because I, I, I know the reality is we can't time travel back to the past. We can't go back to the good old days when we, we used to be happy. Right? We, we can't live in the past. But we can choose to make the best of the time that God has given us now. And we can choose to make the best of the time that God's going to give us moving into the future. So I'm excited that we're going to be diving into that together. That's our next sermon series. But I don't want to wait till then, right? I want to get started right now. I want to jumpstart right now with Easter. This is the time that we need to talk about what it means to be alive. So let's go back to the Bible. We're going to shift to a different gospel, to the gospel of John. We're going to go back a little bit further in Jesus' story. It's before the Holy Week. He's with a, a Pharisee, right, a religious leader who is coming to see Jesus at night because he doesn't want his other Pharisees to know that he's talking to Jesus because Jesus is a bad guy to the Pharisees. But this guy thinks Jesus is the real deal. And this is something that offers me hope about what it means to live life. Let's check this out. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Right? Jesus, you're doing some miraculous stuff. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. That's a great question. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. All the women say, amen. That's a little weird, Jesus. What are you talking about? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Right? The kingdom of God is with us here now. Unless they are born of water, right? baptized in the water. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the part of God that's with us now. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. How do we live life? How do we tap into the kingdom? Jesus says it clearly. You must be born again. But what does that mean? It's not a physical rebirth, thank God. It's not that, right? What does it mean you must be born again? I think the easiest way to say it is you must live life with Jesus. Right? You must live a life with Jesus in your life. To be born again means you must live a life with Jesus. Right? Because of the cross, Jesus died so that we can live. 
Jesus died so that we can be alive, right? Life starts at the foot of the cross, right? We, we see advertisements all the time that life starts when you go to this restaurant or you buy this product or you look like this or you travel here, and, and that's not true, right? Life starts at the foot of the cross because the cross is the only way that we can make sense of this crazy world in which we live. Right? You remember, there's good things that we celebrate and we live and we feel alive, but there's also those moments where life just stinks. It's tough. People get sick. We die. We hurt. We get dumped. We get broken up with. Right? There is a harsh side of life. Right? And the cross is the only thing that helps us make sense of that. Because the cross was the worst thing that could happen. The Son of God died on the cross. If God can bring goodness and life from the death of his own son on the cross, God can bring goodness and life into your circumstances no matter how bad they are, no matter how painful they are. And it's not to trivialize what you're going through. It's not to minimize what you're going through. But what God says is, I came to give you life. Even in the midst of your brokenness, I will work to bring good into your life. Even if you feel like a, a, a zombie who's walking dead, I will bring goodness into your life. I did it with the cross. I can do it with you. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? Right? Because of the cross, I am alive. Right? I'm not just living and breathing. I'm alive. I have a purpose. Every day is a new day. Right? I can be a part of something bigger than who I am. When things aren't going well, I can look for goodness in my life. Because of the cross, I can truly live life. And I need to clarify this, right? The cross is a symbol. The cross is an instrument, right? Jesus is the one who makes this possible. Ultimately, because of Jesus, I am alive. Because of Jesus, I can live. Let me show you what that looks like in my life. As I'm wrestling with midlife or past midlife depression and trying to understand how time is so fleeting and, and, and time is so fragile, this is what I'm hearing God say to me. I'm hearing God say, Kyle, don't worry about when your boys grow up and, and they move away. Right? Enjoy the time that you have with them. Right? If, if you're worried about it all the time, you're going to miss out on, on spending that time with them. Make the best of the time with your boys right now. And oh, by the way, when they grow up, you're going to love the men that they become. And you're, you're going to love being in a relationship with them as adult to adult. Right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep getting good. It's going to be awesome. right? So enjoy your time now, but don't fear the future. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be different. It's going to be great. So enjoy now, but enjoy then as well. Right? I hear that God saying to me, Kyle, don't worry about when your parents or your in-laws or your family members are going to die. Treasure the time that you have with them. And by the way, right, when they, when they make it into heaven, it's not the end. You're going to see them again. It's going to be amazing. Right? So enjoy now, but also enjoy what you have to look forward to. Right? Those are some of the things that I'm hearing from God. Live now. Be alive now. Be alive in God, right? What, what are you hearing? What are you hearing, right? How is God calling you out of your brokenness? How is God calling you out of your living dead experience? How is God calling you to experience life? Because I think that's exactly what God is saying to us on Easter is that now matters. Being alive right now matters. And so we need to take full advantage of that. Being fully, right? We don't have to travel into the past to live. We don't have to wait until the kingdom of God comes at the end of time in full to live. We can live right here and right now. 
It reminds me on Easter of a Christmas story. If you remember the, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge in, in A Christmas Carol, how when the third ghost comes to visit him, and uh, that third ghost comes to him, and he sees his own death. He sees his own gravestone. He sees that nobody misses him, that people are laughing, and they're glad that he's dead, and he's horrified by this. And, and he wakes up in his bed, and he, and he asks himself, did that really happen? Am I alive? Do I have a chance? And he's like, yes, I'm alive. I've got a chance. I can make things right. And he goes and he tells the boy to buy the huge turkey and send it to the Cratchit family. And he, he goes to his nephew Fred's party that he'd been trying to avoid. He goes and he pays for the surgery of Tiny Tim. And, and he makes a life with his second chance, right? That's exactly what Easter is. God gives us a second chance. We are alive because of the cross. Jesus died so that we can live. We can live life now. We're going to live forever in heaven. It's awesome, yes, but don't neglect now. Right? You know what else I heard God saying to me? He's like, Kyle, you want to live? Be who I created you to be. Preach the word to the people of South Park. Preach the word to the people who are out listening to you on the Internet. Right? Find the people who are hungry and feed them. Find people who are lonely and comfort them. It's not just about you and your family. It's about who I created you to be and to be a part of something bigger than who you are. Right? You want to live life? Live life by loving your neighbor as I have loved you. So how about it, brothers and sisters? Are you tired of being a zombie? Are you tired of walking around as a, as a living dead? Are you ready to not just be living and breathing? Are you ready to be alive? then be born again, right? Be born again. Invite Jesus into your life. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for coming back to life. I want to be alive with you. I want to do life with you. I want to live life with you, Lord. Show me what that looks like. And today I want to invite you and, and to do something with me that's going to open you up to that. We're going to celebrate the gift of Holy Communion. And what I'd like you to do is just grab something to eat, grab something to drink, uh, and, and we're going to walk through this together as we remember that Jesus is alive for us. We remember that Jesus, when he was with his disciples for the last time, took a loaf of bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. Then he took some wine and he poured it out and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and drink of this. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Whenever you receive this, remember me. And so today, brothers and sisters, we remember that Jesus died on the cross. He allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed. But that wasn't the end of the story, right? The story, three days later, is where we are now. Jesus came back to life, right? His body was restored. His body was renewed. And he, he saw his disciples. He, he spoke to them. He hugged them. He loved on them. And he gave them hope that would transform the entire world. He said, heaven's coming and it's going to be great, but it's also here now. And I want you to live full lives. I want you to be alive and to love each other and to love your neighbors as yourself. And so brothers and sisters, if you are looking for life, if you're looking to be alive in God, you're looking to be born again, then I invite you right now to open yourself. When we receive Holy Communion, this is a way of opening ourselves to God. It's saying, yes, God, I want to follow you. I want to be alive in you. Jesus, help me be born in you. If that sounds like something that you want, I invite you now to grab whatever you're eating and to know that this is symbolically the body of Jesus broken for you.
And if you'll take whatever you have to drink and know that this is the blood of Jesus symbolically shed for you. Brothers and sisters, because of the cross, we are alive. So go live life to the full in Jesus. Happy Easter. Amen.